0: Hi, I'm Bill Osmolsky with the McIver Institute. This is your McIver Newsmakers podcast. I'm joined today by Senator Kathy Bernier, uh, who used to be the county clerk up in Chippewa County. Uh, Senator, how are you doing today?
1: Great, great. Beautiful 70-some degrees today, so wonderful.
0: I know, it's hard to believe it's November. (laughs) I know it. Well, so I wanted to talk to you today because... You used to be a county clerk, and there is a ton of questions out there right now about ballots, and there's some pretty fantastic theories out there about um, watermarks and secret spy ink, and I just kind of wanted to go through the basics with you. And um, to start off, um, where do election ballots come from is the big question to start with. (laughs)
1: Okay, so the county clerks are responsible for producing all of the ballots. Um, They are sworn. uh, They've taken the oath of office like the rest of us have in the legislature. And so they take their job very seriously. They could be prosecuted for doing any nefarious activity. Um, They first um, determine who's going to be on the ballot and all of that certification process. And then they have um, vendors they work with. Um, to program um, their equipment and to make sure that the ballots have the appropriate timing marks and following the vendors' um, um, orders and and directions. So they, they've worked with the same vendors for years and years and years, sometimes a local uh, printer and, um, and most often somebody from the state of Wisconsin who has produced ballots for them for many years. Um, So there's a test process then when, once the ballots um, come in, um, every municipal clerk needs to test their ballots, um, put them in upside down, right side up and back and forth and various combinations to make sure that each vote that is uh, marked um, actually shows up on the tape. And then they have required to have a public test. So they post that as a notice, anyone can come and observe. And then they do the same routine again, um, to make sure that each and every ballot um, counts the um, the votes as they were cast on that ballot. So there's two test checks prior to um, the election. And then of course the machine is zeroed out and they're ready for um, election day.
0: Um, it sounds like a simple question, but why can't the federal government just print out all the ballots in the country? Well,
1: that isn't even rational or reasonable. Um, elections are run by local governments. Um, in most states, the county government, uh, county clerks, um, print all the ballots and run all the elections in the state of Wisconsin and Michigan. Um, the local government, um, actually uh you know runs election day activity and so we need to make sure that everything in our state is run in a certain manner um according to law and i would not trust that the federal government take that over at all ever
0: So. Um yeah so and also I mean obviously you've got so many local races I mean it'd be a bureaucratic nightmare I think to trying to sort that all yeah, out.
1: Yeah I mean they can't keep things straight as it is so that would not be that wouldn't even be a reasonable request.
0: Now where do you um is every state different the ballots? No for the most
1: part you know I sit on the board of um advisors to the United States Election Assistance Commission Um, When it comes to federal elections, there's um, advisory um, recommendations to all of the municipal clerks, including the um, election equipment. So there are some standards out there that do come down from um, the federal government, especially when it comes to electronic voting equipment. The vendors have to make sure that their um, processes and procedures and their equipment meet a certain standard. And so... For the most part, much of that is the same because they have um, the same vendors in in most of the states. Uh, so that's fairly consistent, I think.
0: Okay. Now, does the federal government provide the paper for these ballots, or do the commercial printers just use regular cardstock?
1: Yeah, there um, there are different equipment that require different types of paper. Um, Back when I ran elections, it was more of a cardstock. Now it's um, a little heavier paper um, that is used in some of the equipment. But the vendors also dictate what kind of paper um, can be used in their equipment, and you shall not vary from that.
0: Okay, so it's the standard of the paper, but it's not like some central location is issuing out ballot paper to every county in this country. No, Um, no. So the file, the the computer files used for these ballots, um, you know, it's, you know, talking about, could you talk a little bit about like those, um, you mentioned like tick marks or something like that. There's been a little bit of talk about that as well.
1: Yeah, um, the the timing marks is what they're called, is what um, the optical scan um, can read and understand um, through the programming process. So those timing marks um, have to be precisely right. As a matter of fact, um, even when you mark the ballot, if you stray from the spot you're supposed to mark, the ballot will be rejected. So if the timing marks are not set precisely right, which I believe um, when you do your test, well, I not only believe, I know mm-hmm. when you do your test, um, which one polling um, location did their test um I want to say out of Gamey County found out that there was just a little stray mark, um, in the timing marks. And those ballots were rejected by the machine and they found that out during the test. Um, and so, um, it will, the machine will reject that ballot if it is, if everything on it is not precisely right. And so you will know, um, if something, um, went awry. um, If there's a stray mark um, to mess things up, um, in which case there's always the manual count.
0: And those are timing marks. Those aren't like special barcodes or things like that, are they?
1: No, no. Okay. nothing, Nothing else would read it other than that machine that was programmed specifically for those
0: ballots. So is there any secret way that the average voter might know of that Ballots are all serial serialized or something like that.
1: No, your vote is anonymous. They don't know who it belongs to. Um, Like I said, um, if somebody did something at the printer, something happened where um, they were trying to get a vote. Um, If you mark a, um, you know, Trump mark and it goes to biden during that pretest and the public test it would be it would be glaringly obvious
0: now one of the issues that comes up with recounts and verifying ballots is um whether it's a legal vote or an illegal vote uh the ballots are all the same uh unless there's some sp- and you know there's a theory out there or t- you know rumors out there on social media that are building a lot of steam that. Uh, real ballots have some kind of secret marking on them that will allow the government to distinguish what was a counterfeit ballot and what's a real ballot. Uh, What are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, if it's a counterfeit ballot, it, it likely wouldn't go into the machine. You know, I held a press conference yesterday with WQOW and WEAU to address this. First of all, there is you cannot have all of the ballots, the total number of ballots have to match the total number of people on the poll list. And so you can't just um, somebody feed in a bunch of ballots into the ballot machine because then the numbers would be off. And periodically the poll workers go over and look at the machines and say, okay, we're at voter number 535. And then, um, you know, Ten minutes later, they look and they they know they go check the poll list. The poll list is now at 540. They go over and look, and yes, they're at 540. Once in a while, they get off for some peculiar reason. Somebody um, doesn't cast their ballot, or it gets jammed. They pull it out and refeed it, and then it it ends up being counted twice. Um, they try to rectify that right away and note it on the inspector's statement. So those those errors um, when you have um, an election, there are a few errors here and there that occur, um, but nothing, um, you know, extraordinary um, with, you know, a 1,000 or 2,000 ballots being recorded in the machine and you, you don't have that number on the poll list. So I, that is what I talked about yesterday. I said you cannot just, when they say there was a ballot dump and a bunch of ballots were brought in, um, you know, and nobody know where they came from. Well, there is a request for absentee on file, a registration form, and those individuals have to be recorded on the registration list. That, that those envelopes have to match the people on the list.
0: So the only way you end up with a hundred thousand uh, illegal votes is if there are a hundred thousand people on the poll on the poll in the poll book that should not be in there.
1: That's correct. And and, um, I, you know, I did note, um, you know, Scott McDonald from Dane County um, uh, blurted out a, um, a a bit of a loophole, um, so to speak, which really bothers me because those uh, with infirmities or um, elderly um, that that are um, shut ins, um, had an opportunity to they're already registered voters they could request an absentee ballot without showing their id um i did call him up and i read him the riot act (laughs) and i know macgyver um, uh, noted that there's a lot more um, indefinitely confined um, people people who have requested absentee ballots as indefinitely confined that was not intended for 25 year olds or 30 year olds or 40 year olds that was for you know, the 65 plus. Um, and so now I have to go back in the next session and try to figure out how we can ratchet that down um, because um, he determined that he could use a loophole. Now the cat's out of the bag. The Supreme Court said you can't do that. Um, but now the cat's out of the bag and who's to know whether somebody is really suffering from an infirmity um, and that they really, um, need an indefinitely confined ballot. Um, so that there is a problem there, um, how significant it is. Um, I guess, you know, the municipal clerks are going to have to reevaluate each and every one of those indefinitely confined. Um, and we may have to pass a law to, um, require municipal clerks to, um, check into that.
0: Yeah. And it, yeah, I know it's a complicated issue because you also get into HIPAA and all that. So uh, that, that's going to be a difficult piece of policy to craft. But I mean, with, you know, them exploiting such a, you know, a goodwill loophole like that, I, I guess you really don't have much of a choice.
1: No, kind of between a rock and a hard place now.
0: Yeah. Um, So one more question about the ballots themselves. You know, is there any like control over how like any control to prevent clerks from printing off tons more ballots than they potentially need
1: no so as county clerks always go back to the previous elections so they probably went back to 2016 and printed as many ballots or um or slightly more because they expected a huge turnout it's kind of a guess um they may have more than they need but they have to account for them so if they issued um Five thousand ballots, and they and they ordered six thousand. Then they'll have a thousand ballots left over, and they have to know that they they have to prove that.
0: And this is pretty much the, the same basic procedure in every state. Then, as far as you know, <laughs>
1: I, I, you know, that question has yeah. never come up. Um, in you know, we primarily in the board of advisors, we primarily talk have been primarily talking about election electronic voting equipment. Um, but, uh, you know, in listening to county clerks throughout the nation, um, you know, they have similar procedures. Um, the one thing that bothered me, um, and it bothered, uh, states that took five to 10 years to incorporate all mail ballots, um, that some states decided they were going to do that, um, on a whim. And I say on a whim because it takes a long time to inform the electorate of the process. You have to make sure your voter rolls are precisely right. And there's a a huge process to make sure that occurs. And clearly in New York and uh, I think it was New Jersey who had rejected uh, thousands of ballots. Um, Just imagine how many weren't rejected that probably should have been or the ones that were rejected that shouldn't have been. Um, that is not something you can do on a whim, and that bothers me. Uh, it happened to states that, other than Nevada, most likely would have went um, Democrat anyway. However, um, you know, Trump wouldn't have gotten those, um, those votes, but down-ballot, it harmed the down-ballot candidates, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, and speaking of poll books and all that, I mean— We've identified a lot of voters on these poll books that shouldn't be there. You know, for example, I mean, um, uh, Marquette University, for example, you've got a, a dormitory that was torn down a couple years ago, and all those kids that had registered to vote at that address are still active voters in the, in the poll books. And I, obviously, the local officials have very little interest in removing them from the poll books. How is there any talk in the Senate or in the legislature about you know addressing this issue at some point in the future?
1: we've talked about it numerous times those voter rolls and this is why we're members of the election registration information center um out of pew they determined um years ago that there are um duplicative um uh, voters on the rolls throughout the nation um two three four times um registered in various states so they recognize the importance to bring integrity to the election that the voter rolls be maintained and people who move or pass away are removed from those, um, those roles. And I, I can't emphasize the importance of that. And, and here's why I don't understand there's such pushback, um, by Democrats on this. I don't get it. Um, I told NPR when they interviewed me and I don't didn't even see, I said, you know, ask yourself why, why, why is that a big deal? We have same day voter registration. So why is that a big deal? Why is it okay to have um, inactive or deceased voters on the rolls? Um, It just, it doesn't bode well with um, a high integrity of the election. So, so um, I've never gotten a Democrat to actually answer that question. They think we're going to disenfranchise people. Well, 99% of the people who go into the polls and if they're supposed to be on there um, uh, they have the information with them Um, in states where they have to pre-register, you know, a month in advance, then we have, yes, we also have um, the provisional ballot process that we learned that in um, Florida where, you had to be pre-registered and people who were supposed to be on the rolls weren't on there, well, they could do a provisional ballot and we have that now. So there's no excuse in the United States of America not to clean up your rolls and make them as accurate as possible. And clearly we have shown because of a pandemic that the um, all-mail balloting um, is an option, but if you don't purge people from the rolls and it's not a routine cleanup, then that even makes it worse.
0: So, you know, a lot of talk right now about core challenges and recounts and all that. Um, uh, you know, speculate as much as you want, but I mean, what should people um, expect over the next few weeks throughout this process?
1: Well, you know, the chances of overturning 20,000 votes are slim to none. Um, the, there will be... We've had two statewide recounts, Uh, Jill signed 2016, and we had um, the David Prosser recount. Um, Things move slightly here and there, but for the most part, you're not going to overturn 20,000 ballots unless there is rampant voter fraud somewhere. And I I don't see it, but um, let's just say the recount will be proof there are people that will check the registration list. There are people that will check the affidavit envelope. There will there will be people to make sure that the total votes cast match the number of votes um, and uh, voters in the poll books. And if this was it ta- is what it takes to assure people um, that the vote was on the up and up, um, then um so be it and a few months down the road all of the data is entered in and we run our um pull list through the eric system and we find out um and we have um that there are 40 45 people who voted in illinois and wisconsin um they will be prosecuted you know it's time to really District attorneys, and I talked to Megan Wolf yesterday about this. District attorneys, for some reason, are not interested in prosecuting voter fraud. This is not a good thing. It's not that we want to, you know, put people in prison for 30 years for voter fraud, but there has to be an example set by our district attorneys and our judges to deter such activity. Whether it's impactful or not, a deterrent it would be helpful because once we hear there's 45 people that voted in, and I'm just picking that number out randomly. It's pretty close. <laughs> in, yeah, in Wisconsin and in um, Illinois, then it should hit front page news that they got a week in prison and $5,000 fine or week in jail.
0: Yeah,
1: and and or two weeks or whatever it is. That needs to reverberate throughout the United States that um, voter fraud will not be tolerated. It just will not be in a republic who is supposed to rely on representative government. We cannot uh, we cannot accept district attorneys, law enforcement should not. Some people cheat. Oh, well, (laughs) it's not right
0: Yeah, I I checked CCAP regularly to see if any, you know, because, yeah, we've identified, um, you know, I should say state officials have identified uh, like between 60 and 70 uh, people that they suspect of voting illegally this year. And uh, there have been zero cases opened in CCAP around the state for voter fraud. So um,
1: district attorneys are not motivated to prosecute voter fraud. I I can't understand it. I don't understand it. It's it's our um, it's so important to our republic that they do, um, if anything, at least one to make an example um, that, you know, you do it. You do this and this is what you could face. Um, And and I don't know why I just don't understand it.
0: So I guess one last question just on the recount, uh, I guess for me. Um, so all these voters that I've identified, these, these people on the voter rolls listed as active voters who say live at building addresses that no longer exist or 20 people that are all listed in the same two-bed two bed, uh, UW uh, dorm room, will, will that be identified and will that come out during the recount process or is it kind of hit or miss?
1: Um, that may be hit or miss, okay. um, you know, yeah. um, but if they vote, uh, so we had a UW Eau Claire student who voted at UW Eau Claire and also voted absentee in Appleton. He got caught that, that was, um, I don't even know if it was before our statewide voter registration system. But, you know, there was um, I had two matches when I was county clerk, Uh, one very elderly woman who lived in a nursing home in Whitehall voted there. And then her daughter uh, came and got her registered her in the town of Wheaton and had her vote again. I think it was deliberate in my opinion. The um, district attorney sent a law enforcement investigator out there to talk to her and she claimed that she didn't know her mother already voted in Whitehall. but And, and then uh, um, uh, two people in the exact same name um, came up, and it turned out that one was a father and one was a son, so there was nothing to that. So those, those will be caught um, by our statewide voter registration system, and the ERIC system is pretty sophisticated. They will find them as well. But like I said, um, if, you know, 45 or 50 or 60 votes, voter fraud votes are probably not going to change the the result of the election. But likewise, it should still not be tolerated and they should be prosecuted with the full um, extent of the law, period.
0: Sounds great. Well, Senator, um, thank you so much for being so generous with your time this Saturday morning. Okay, my pleasure. Uh, Again, uh, this is the McIver Newsmakers podcast. I'm Bill Osmolsky, and we were joined today by Senator Kathy Bernier, who spent many years as the Chippewa County clerk uh, in charge of elections there. So thank you again, Senator, and I hope you have a great weekend. You as well.